0: Hi, I'm Andalisi. And I'm Chef James Regallo.
1: And in this episode of Essential Cooking, we sit down with Chef John Vermiglio to talk about his time working in Chicago as a chef, as a young chef, uh, for Charlie Trotter. And then we end up talking about the documentary about Charlie Trotter's life.
0: Charlie Trotter is one of the most famous chefs to ever emerge out of the Midwest landscape. He ran his flagship restaurant, Charlie Trotter's, in Chicago for well over two decades, uh, from the 80s and into the early 2000s.
1: John spent a lot of time in Chicago working in Charlie Trotter's world, if you will. And then, of course, he came back to Detroit.
0: He did. We broke down his time with Charlie and then uh, the chefs he met there and where he worked while in Chicago, why he moved back and the impact he's made since. Well, today we have world-famous chef John Vermiglio of Grey Ghost, Bassan, Second best. You're called Four Man Ladder Group, but not a lot of people know that. I don't really, you know, you're not. that's not really a you're not leading advertising <laughs> with Four Man Ladder Group, but that's what your company's called. That is correct. Gregos has become, uh, you know, a, a, a cornerstone of the neighborhood, for sure, in Midtown. Um, but, I mean, you spent a considerable amount of time in Chicago, and I don't think many people know that, uh, or they, maybe they know you moved back. But while you were there, you worked for some pretty serious chefs. So... I want to start today uh, talking about, you know, Memory Lane with John Vermiglio. Where did you first work when you went to Chicago?
2: (sighs) Well, I started in a law firm, actually. A law firm? Yeah. I had this idea that post-graduation, I would live this dream of cooking for a living, but also having a life. Hmm. Um, So I worked from like 7 a.m. until 3, catering for some lawyers, and uh, about Two months in, I realized the soul sucking nature of that, uh, and switched gears. So, and and old enough now to have seen a advertisement in the want ads of the newspaper <laughs> <laughs> for a position at uh, Trotters to go uh, in Chicago. So, I,
0: yeah, I was gonna say. So that was two months into Chicago. Yeah, you start working for Charlie Trotter. Yeah, and I, you know, I wanted to talk about Charlie Trotter today because that documentary. Just came out. Love Charlie. It's streaming on Amazon. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of Charlie's work. Obviously, he's got a pretty notorious reputation. I only ever dealt with him as a customer. I was pretty young when I ate there, but I mean, if you watch that documentary, um, it really is a beautiful movie. I mean, they did a great job making that film um, and kind of. I feel like they capture a lot of what. Um, the good and the bad about our industry, right? How how a chef loses their mind, basically, um, and, and you can kind of see him always on the always on the cusp of like boiling over. And then I think you know, obviously, uh, with, with his early with his early death, you know, you basically he did. I mean, he did, basically did. you you almost saw some moments where you're like, you know, you could see where he could be salvaged or rescued or kind of come back to earth. But I mean, how I mean, twenty five years of just three Michelin level pursuit. It'll kill you. Yeah, and it yeah. killed him. So, and you spent time with him directly as his chef assistant. What was your What was your title?
2: Uh, Again, yeah, well, I guess I was hired in as the uh, executive sous chef of Trotters to Go, which was his like retail outlet. He had like a little specialty grocery shop and then prepared food section, uh, and that was his sort of way of connecting with you know the next tier down of people that were. Wanting to spend the money to, yeah, to go get eat a little at taste when you can't maybe yeah. afford to It wasn't cheap, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, right in the heart of Lincoln Park, and uh, it was great. It was a lot of neighbors uh, popping in for, you know, pre, you know, we, we would portion out salmon and sear it off, so you just got to bake it. I mean, honestly, we were ahead like of, COVID. A, we were ahead of the say, COVID game. So, I yeah, mean, huh? <laughs> we, were, we were already ahead of the game. Jumping ahead, uh, you probably. You probably borrowed some stuff. I was, yeah, for was, COVID, you probably were borrowing some memories. No of, question, I okay. was ready to go on that. So yeah, we were we were tagging a lot of stuff uh, and you know prepared and ready to go, and then we used that as the hub for the catering uh, aspect of of the restaurant. So um, that's where I was really getting the connection. And, and when I interviewed with them, they were like, you know, they wanted to make sure that I wasn't interviewing for that job so that I could get a job at Trotter's the restaurant, <laughs> and you know, know that like. I knew who Charlie was, but I didn't really understand who he was. And I also was so naive to the entire world of fine dining because I just I wasn't in it. Red Lobster was like we yeah. made it. You know, that was <laughs> the had you eaten at his
1: restaurant before you started working there?
2: No. No. No, actually to this day, well you we can't now, but uh, only yeah. one time. Really? I only ate there one time. Yeah. So. While you worked there or after you had left? While I worked there, yeah. yeah I he allowed me to invite my staff in from the catering company. To one of his excellence dinners, okay. which was these dinners he would throw, you know, a lot of the time philanthropically for, you know, whether it was a group of teachers from the Chicago public schools or children from the neighborhood. Uh, and they were this excellence dinner. And that was like his big overarching theme of the way he operated uh, in life, really, and yeah. obviously the restaurant. Um, so basically they would spend the entire time. You know, serving the normal meal that you would get. And it was in the studio kitchen uh, where he filmed his TV shows., uh, so just big one one big table. and every course would they'd come out talk about the wine, the food, and then one of the team members would talk about what excellence was and sort of what it meant to them. Hmm. And this would happen all the time. And so i I you know we sat there, and it was like, you know, you're you're having this incredible meal, but you never got the chance to like talk? soak it in because we just nonstop talk every every course. I was like, "Excellence is this," you know. <laughs> uh, but it was like you were so inspired at the same yeah. time, or at least I was. I know there was some people that like cranked I, out sandwiches for me yeah. <laughs> that were like, "Why'd you why'd you bring us here, chef?" Did uh,
1: he did he design the menus at every step of the way? Like everything that you did was at, that you executed was it all his stuff uh no it was me uh was it? Oh, that's yeah interesting. it was okay. me
2: and and i mean at the time i came around we were in, the restaurant was into year 16 or 17 mm-hmm. so they were pretty far in right uh, so charlie had already you know sort of ascended the ladder of his own hierarchy um so there was a brigade of chefs underneath him um so we just uh, they kind of left me alone, I guess, which was crazy to me because I was 21 years old and like I should, I had never even worked in a restaurant like fine dining at all. You know, I felt like I conned my way in there and, and for once, which probably doesn't happen very often now, my culinary degree was like it held so much weight. And I was hmm. like, All right, that hundred thousand was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um yeah, and I'm, they were so they were so shocked that I was like not trying to find a roundabout way to get into the restaurant to work because everyone would just take the job at Trotters to Go and then just be like let me move over to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Let me move to the restaurant. And it was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't even, I was terrified of that joint. You know, I right. did not have to go pick things up. And I was like, absolutely <laughs> petrified. To who go in who there. was the CDC when you were there? Uh, Matthias Murgis. Okay.
0: Yeah. And that's, and this, Matthias was the chef you basically worked for um, right before coming. Yeah. to Detroit. Yeah.
2: I would log him as my mentor. He was with Charlie for 15 years. Uh, and he left about a year after I left. And then, brought me into his restaurant group and how, and then I, you know, he was going to give me a restaurant and I was like, give me all of them. And we opened a bunch of spots yeah. together. So, um, yeah, I mean, without question that start at Trotters was like, yeah, yeah exactly. that's why we're sitting right here. So did he the eat
1: the food you. you made? Do you know?
2: Very rarely mm-hmm. did he eat the food that I made. Um, he would, come through and like taste things on occasion. Right. Um, but most of what he did when he came to the to-go spot was uh, shop. He would shop for his house oh, and then wow. he would go home and eat it. And then he would just send emails to wh- you know the my bosses and be like, hey, this shouldn't be like this, this shouldn't be like that. And it was like a game for him in terms of like making sure we were always at the utmost preparedness. So he was the guy at 7.59 showing up when we closed at 8. And it's like, if you didn't, you know, if it didn't look good. And you, you were, never knew you when he was going to show, right? Well, we wouldn't know what time, but we would get about a three-minute heads up, which is the <laughs> distance between <laughs> really the a restaurant up, right. and the to-go spot. Uh-huh. Uh, and there was a phone in the kitchen uh of the restaurant and then one in the kitchen at the to-go spot so they would yeah, call the, and they'd be the like war- <laughs> the just on his way yeah. yeah and then you would you know try and make it look as tidy as you could right. in three minutes yeah. and <laughs> then <laughs> hope for the best that he came in there so how, how, uh, long, how long so how long were you with trotter three and a half years yeah, yeah which was a little longer than i anticipated because when i tried to leave he he's like no no, that's not gonna happen. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> How does
1: that conversation go though? Like what what did well, he say
2: to you? Like well, that Well, because you know, I was still again intimidated by the dude. And I and I and he let me into his world, which was mind boggling to me. And I was like, Your perfect little soldier, right? Like I was willing to put in all the work in the world. I was making my opening uh offer when they offered me the job, which was like shocking to me. And I Ooh. was also wildly hung over for the interview so i was shocked at it <laughs> that it happened and in the day of the interview we'd sat down they talked it over with me i said blah 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 and then chef matthias was like okay what you know what are you doing today you know and it's saturday i was working monday through friday living <laughs> that good life i'd yeah. gone out friday night and i'm like i gotta pull it together for an hour for this interview and then back to sit down <laughs>
0: Yeah.
2: And so he's like, what are you doing? You know? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have any plans for him." He's like, all right, I'll see you in the re- at the restaurant in an hour. You know? And I'm like, what? And in, in a lot of regards, it was the best thing that could have happened. Cause I didn't have any time to like, right. absolutely panic. Freak out and I, like, yeah. I did freak out for one hour Yeah, and I went home and I like ironed my uniform and I'm like trying to sharpen my knives. And you know, I of course I don't want to be late. And I worked uh Fifteen hour shift that day (laughs) for
0: day one. Wow! Yeah,
2: and you know I hadn't even—it was just the stash. They did not even give me the job, and I was dying. I was hungover as all hell, but of course you—you know—you're like, "This is my shot." Uh, And yeah, what was the what was the offer? So yeah, opening offer. Uh, you know, and they call me, right? I'm walking through the streets of Chicago. I'm like, yeah, we're going to see what's going on today. And they call me and I'm like, you know, my heart's pounding, kind of like when you drive by the cops and you're like, <laughs> uh, and so $24,000 was my <laughs> offer. And I was going to be, you know, the executive sous chef, but there was no one above me. They sent me mentors, but there was no, I was the guy, I was running right the kitchen. So $24,000 and I'm like, okay, I'm going to call you back. You know, and I'm in Chicago, I'm new, I don't have any money because I spent it all on college. So I'm like, I got to see if I can, I got to budget it out. And I like look up the poverty line, right? <laughs> I'm like, all right, let, let me see what this is. <sighs> so I muster up the courage to, to go back and say like, hey- like this is, and I'm not talking to Charlie himself, yeah. but the message is going right to him. You know? So thank God I was naive because there's no, even right now, I'd be like petrified to say that to him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I went back and I said, hey, you know, the, it's really low. It's going to be really tight to live off of that. Poverty line's at like 28,000. Like, can I, do you think there's any wiggle room? And he's like, okay, uh, hold on. We'll talk to Charlie, you know, and then there's some silence for a while. And he comes back. He's like, okay, we we're prepared to offer you. $24,500. And I was like, you can keep the $500. So I took it for $24. Wow. You,
0: you uh-huh. refused I, I
2: refused it. I said, no, you know what? Never mind. I'll take it for $24 <laughs> and let's go. And about a year in, I received at the time, like, wow, well, at least as it was told to me, the largest raise in the, uh, that he had ever offered up because I was so grossly underpaid. And then I just instantly was like, all in. Yeah. 120 hours a week. And I was terrified. I didn't even know how to clean a fish. And I'm like the chef of this thing. And I'm running this catering company for him that like, I had worked at a catering place for two months. Mm, yeah. yeah. So it was like. Grossly oh, unprepared. Shit. Yeah. But, but the, that's also, I think why it worked. Yeah, I think it's like sure. Cause I think
0: anybody that had more experience would be like, this is insane. I can't do this. Right. And move they would on. would have
2: never wanted to deal with it. Cause you know, when there wasn't events, which wasn't always the case or a lot of the events were, you know, or a fair amount of them until they started to trust me came out of the restaurant because they they would want the 12-course degustation menu that they knew Charlie for. Um, And it wasn't like I could just rip that off out there. So, um, yeah.
1: I mean, this is for both of you. Why was he so good?
0: I mean, I think for, you know... I recommend watching the documentary to anybody listening. It really, it really captures.
1: It's called it, Love Charlie. It's by called the Love,
0: way. like Love, comma Charlie. The, it's the, kind, of, and, kind, it's of kind of the rise on, and fall of Charlie. Of based, Charlie yeah, yeah, it's based on letters and kind of you know you, you watch him. And it's so cool because you watch him becoming what we know, what the world knows him as, and then you kind of watch him, like I said, boiling over. So you really can see this like special moment in time where he was as good as you have heard, and I mean his books. I think that's kind of like he basically was like one of the first. Like dynamic modern day celebrity chefs, like you know, you have like Julia Child. Then you have like your, you know, famous first chefs. But like he really did it all. I mean, the books he had, like kind of like the celebrity tour. He had like the cooking show. He had the to go line. I mean, the three Michelin stars forever. Um, He was, you know, the tenured chefs. I mean, the all star team that he had inside the kitchen. I'm gonna correct you there. Only two Michelin stars. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. He
2: only had two. Yeah, it, I think it was only one, maybe two years that the guy showed up in Chicago before the restaurant That's right, closed. that's right. That's right. yeah, no, it's big right. to-do that he did not get. No, 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 you're right. I, I misspoke, yeah. Thank you, thank you for correcting me because yeah. you
0: are correct because Michelin was late to Chicago. But it was basically the unspoken three Michelin star restaurant between New York and L.A. I mean, it was often called the only reason to stop, you know, to, to land an airplane between New York and L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you no, know, you're totally right. I totally misspoke. We should edit that out.
2: <laughs> but uh,
0: I no, never misspeak. It's, impo- it's impossible. <laughs>
2: everyone thought that it was going to happen. No, you're right. And like, that's actually, that's in an really rocked Illini the world.
0: So when got yeah, but yeah. it was really Charlie, it was really the books, the, the experience, the wine team. I mean, if you read lessons in excellence, I think anybody can, can really extract a ton of value from that book. I mean, it's designed for anybody that just wants, it's basically Kaizen, like the, the philosophy of constant improvement. And it's uh, it's it's very. I mean, I've I've read that a bunch, passed it out, bought it for people. It mm-hmm. still holds up. I mean, yeah. so yeah. I mean, it's really he's a dynamo or was a dynamo. But you watch in the movie, I think the to- he definitely. I mean, there's he a lot of toxicity. The way he treated people was uh, t- was terrible. You know, especially I mean, especially the staff. The
2: staff got it the worst. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of. Mind games and not in a bad way necessarily, but you know, he was a really big reader and he was really into like psychology and philosophy. And, uh, so it was almost like, you felt like he was a, ahead of you. Like he was already thinking what you should be thinking. And then he would ask you questions and prod you in ways that would make you think that way and and react the way that he would want you to react. Um, uh, but you know, what, what, all that James said is, is absolutely right. And he is like, you know, no one was doing it. 1987's when the restaurant opened and nobody was doing a degustation menu. Uh, you know, it was a thing that he had seen when he went to study and he he came from some uh, money. Um, and so he was afforded the opportunity to travel. So he, once he committed to cooking, like he just, it engulfed his entire life. Well, like
0: it's not unlike your story though, where like you didn't like, you didn't just go in like line grind for five years you know, in someone's kitchen and like climb through the ranks, you kind of had an unconventional start because like you said, you you know, right out of college, you basically take a executive sous chef to a to go catering event space to a very famous chef. Like that's not a traditional job for a, for a young chef. And then, you know, I I think that like, like Charlie, Charlie didn't really, he didn't work under somebody incredible and climb through the ranks and then open his own restaurant. He basically went and almost like a power stage he like, yeah. ex- just went out and just worked at a bunch of places for a short amount of time and then came back and opened his restaurant, which is not uh, – its not that, that's not really suggested by the industry at large. You know, we kind of like – I think we, we kind of frown upon it. You know, when you hire people, you're like, oh, you should work here for a couple of years. Or you tell your cooks, hey, after you leave, you know, you should go work for somebody great. Go to, go to New York and stick it out for a few years. like Trotter was like staging, power staging, coming back and then opened up one of the most impactful restaurants in the Midwest ever. I mean, I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's even a, a second place in the Midwest yeah. for a restaurant like
2: that.
1: He didn't go to culinary school, did he? I thought he was self-taught. I, I think, think so. he was. So, I yeah. think he was self-taught. Taught. He has a.
2: He has a college degree from somewhere, but yeah. it's not in cooking. It's
1: not yeah. in cooking. Yeah. It's, but yeah, I
0: definitely. I don't want. I don't want to sensationalize. You know who he was as a. You know, oh, he's like you know. All all is forgiven because he was a talented guy. He yeah. definitely. But
2: like, I mean, you your restaurant does. What he does, like in a way, you're getting away with what you can do at Mabel Gray because of him. That's and a great point. Yeah, I mean, basically, so uh, he brought the tasting menu to people, he brought the idea. I mean, he brought the he was living it in what the culinary world is now, then yeah. like 1987, we were still crushing jello with like walnuts in the middle of it, <laughs> you know. So it was like, then he's showing up and he's putting all this stuff on there, no one knows what the heck's going on. Uh, and he's just blowing minds because it was just so incredible and it was so new and fresh and like there was other chefs doing it don't get me wrong and mm-hmm. it, in france it was you know par right. of the course yeah and, but and in america we just didn't we didn't
0: see it that way and so. farmer yeah farmer lee will say that he basically like invented the micro grain. you know he was, he was like one of the first chefs to basically like say hey snip it there when it's tiny and let's <laughs> use that as, yeah. a, as a garnish he or as a part of the dish
2: uh sous cooking yeah he, that was a big thing for him that you know he sort of Revolutionized, or or he, you know, he, I, he didn't invent it, but he got the privilege. We yeah. had him. We had the original one that looked like a boat motor from the forties. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it really he just, yeah, he was he was a he was ahead of his time, and he was in a city where you could do it, and it had mm-hmm. you know the audience that he could get away with it, and then yeah, he had TV shows and cookbooks. Yeah. And so. so
1: as cooking changed, and he he had a he pretty much set a bar for himself that was so high. I mean, and to be able to stay at that level for a long time, I'm no chef, but it seems like a tall order and something to really, you have to really work for. Was he able to stay ahead of everyone else? Was he able to stay at the level that he had set? Um, and that everybody sort of looked to him too. I mean, there's that as well. Like he influenced so many people. So as his career you know, moved along, how did he fit into sort of the world he created, I guess is what I'm asking.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's kind of been well documented that Grant ackett's is probably one of the most famous chefs to ever intersect with Charlie Trotter. I think he worked there for a short period of time and kind of had a bad experience with them. And Trotter was notorious for torturing you if you left. Uh, you basically were banned. Like, you're like, you're dead. You're dead to him. And so when Grant left, was basically, you know, like cast away, like, you're dead to me. Um, and then Grant goes on to open Alinea and basically become – I mean, Alinea's is like – I mean, Linia's up there in age now. I mean, I think that like Grant may – you know, he has a potential to run a three Michelin star restaurant of extreme prestige. I mean, one of the top restaurants in the world. He might hit, you know, the same amount of time as Trotter. I mean, that, he's he's definitely on that path. So – Alinea's early years were kind of eclipsing Trotter's later years so you really watched Chicago and the t- the, the trends were changing Trotters felt um, or it felt like over the top it felt like ornate and kind of uh I don't know almost like opulent like a, a dated and opulent where alinea was like slick and crisp and like and stark and really really um, it was the shifting of of the trends did that affect him absolutely I mean, it I mean, yeah yes it did I mean it really it really um, the media shifting their attention away from Charlie towards Grant was a hard blow for him and then like like John mentioned I remember that vividly now getting two stars and Grant got mm-hmm. three and that was basically I mean that was the nail in the coffin for I mean actually no pun intended but obviously Charlie you know, died relatively. Soon after he closed his restaurant, it was a, a,
1: under two years. Yeah, I mean it was yeah. like, yeah, it, and he
0: was not well. I mean you see, you can watch his physical change. Um, it was really, it was really, it was, just, it was sad. I mean, I remember it in real time because I think I ate there in oh five or oh six, and that is, was a big deal for you. It was a huge deal. I was I, I was twenty one or twenty two, and I had a tasting menu, and I had, you know, I mean we had mul- multiple extra courses and gift bags. We we didn't announce ourselves, but they just know they just know your industry, like they mm-hmm. just, you know, they were just. They had a whole team of. The front house was incredible. I mean, i've I've I haven't really had a lot of meals that have lived up to it since. I mean, but it was because it was your my first real. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I had a tribute with Takashi back in like early two thousands. Oh, okay, but it was like my first time ever having a oh my god experience. I mean, paying your rent equivalent yeah, for dinner at that know. time was like what well, you know what is even happening.
1: We'll be right back right after this. John, when you came back to Detroit, um, after having spent that time there, I mean, your confidence must've been in a place where you, it wouldn't have been after uh, working for him. Yeah, Did you feel I like I'm ready to, to do my own thing or at least, um, work at such a high level? I
2: knew I wasn't ready to do my own thing for yeah. sure. I, cause I would have been somewhere right around 25, I guess yeah. when I was done 24, 25 and, um. You know, I knew the goal was to come back here, so I was still, I felt like my experience was, I mean, it was incredible and it changed everything about mm-hmm. the way I operate, uh, but I knew that it wasn't realistic. I knew I wasn't going to do a restaurant like that and I wasn't going to have, you know, the tweezers and all this fancy stuff. Right. Um, you know, we'd certainly use a lot of techniques and things from that era and uh, that time, but it was just so different, you know, because to me it's always been about like I want to I want to feed as many people and as as sprawling of a diverse group of people that I can. And you know, when you're charging that, like you, I don't know, you just hope for the best that you're like gonna make it, and people mm-hmm. are wanting to spend that. Otherwise, you're in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, but right. you 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 after
0: after Trotters, you went and worked for Matthias, and those concepts were yeah. much more similar to Grego's.
2: Oh my I, I got around after that. So I would say when I left, I was motivated and and had the ego to say, like, I just went through, you know, three and a half years of boot camp. right And like, so I had to come out of there with the expectations and the way that the restaurant and the kitchen would function. Um, So I took that to the next place with me and, you know, it was a slap in the face of reality shortly <laughs> after that, that just, you know, the stark contrast of styles of restaurants. But, but yeah, I got to work for a lot of people. It almost appeared as though I was just chasing celebrity chefs, uh, which I wasn't at all. But after I, I left there, I worked for uh, the director of operations uh, of this art smith company. And she oversaw Table Fifty Two, but she was mm. Charlie's assistant.
0: Art Smith, you may know is Oprah's. He's famous for being Oprah's chef, but right. he obviously is a restaurateur mm-hmm. as well. He's not just like Oprah's chef, but she kind of was. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. She kind of she kind of gave him that big boost. Right. Definitely, yeah. She got mm-hmm. him out
2: there, he was on the air, and got books and all that good yeah. stuff. So yeah, and then I left there and I worked for Graham Elliot, who's now who knows what cooking show he's yeah you know Graham Elliott um, kind of mm-hmm. has the, the white yep. glasses yeah. Yeah, the yep. white glasses guy yeah for yeah. sure and then after that I switched or went back with, with that so Graham so, Elliot
0: that was a pretty edgy restaurant in Chicago that was a pretty like that was hip I
2: mean that was the spot I thought it was the coolest yeah. because it was doing what Charlie had, you know, that we were doing there, but in like new modern hip yeah. area. And it was like, you know, they were wearing t-shirts, which is cool. Actually, no. First they started with short sleeve chef coats, which I thought was awesome. Cause we were wearing the, the toque. We had these paper toques we had yeah. to wear. Wearing trotters. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, foot and a half tall. And yeah, I'm a short guy, so I am factoring factor in a lot of clearance uh, when I'm walking around. But I'd be bashing in that thing. I had so many cuts on the top of my forehead just from the Thing, just <laughs> digging in, and you know, I, I can, I can uh, get warm, let's say, especially <laughs> in the kitchen at Tronner's. And like, this thing's made from paper, yeah. yeah. And you know, you don't want to be looking nasty because there's people sitting in the kitchen, and of course, obviously, you're handling food. So, I would just, you know, I needed a sweatband, but all I had was this piece of paper. Oh, god, disgusting. Anyway, <laughs> good time. So, I'd switch out, I'd go through like six of those hats a day. Uh, wow, but, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, we would go all the way till. You know, well, uh, my dynamic was I would work at the catering company or the store until eight o'clock. We'd close, I'd be done by nine o'clock, and I would drive to the restaurant for the second service because I only did two seating six o'clock, nine o'clock. So then I would just go over there, you know, jump into service, and the menu changed every day, which you know a little bit about, James. And I didn't work there during the day. So, I didn't have any clue what was happening, and it wasn't like they were like sending me an email it probably would have needed been a fax at that time <laughs> uh but you know it was I just jump in and like you don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing. you definitely don't want to get in anybody's way because everyone's like it was still this era where I'm like i'm gonna step on you to get above you mm-hmm. uh and not always but everyone was. You know, it was the best. Of the best showing up there. So it was like, if you got the job, you were so eager to prove how good you were, so that you could, you know, either move up the ranks or just feed your fuel your own ego. Um, so you would get a fair amount of that. They wouldn't even waste their time learning your name for like six months because huh. most people just wouldn't wouldn't right. make it. So, and then after Graham Elliot, you go to Matthias. Then I go back and open up. And what restaurants, restaurants were you at the time? We did Billy Sunday, which is still there. Still there. Are, there. Real yep. cool. You show which is no longer an there. untimely demise. And then another U show. And then we also opened a spot called A-10, which was and like A-10's a still there, right? No. Okay. Well, the restaurant is, but it's under an different, different name, ownership. crushing the game. Uh, but yeah, it closed, uh, I don't know, two years, three years after I left. So. And so originally you would mentioned Matthias. You kind of
0: were thinking about Matthias being your partner in Grey Ghost. You had approached him first.
2: He said no. Yeah. And then you come back and you do it. (laughs) They did not, which, you know, I get it, the outside perception of the city of Detroit. Um, While it's flourishing now in some minds, it still struggles in others. Uh, And, you know, this was 2014, I guess, that I would have started the process of dreaming this thing up and feeling like I could just take the plunge. Um, And I thought that'd be the easiest route is I could get them to join in and then I could still, because I also was like, loved Chicago. You know, Chicago mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, I have right, for like 14 have the years. So I thought I could, you know, have the connection. And, you know, my last position or role there was director of culinary operations. So I was overseeing all of them. So I'm like, okay, I'd spend a week in Detroit, see the fam, run the restaurant, come back hmm. to Chicago. Anyway, they said it was a bad idea. So.
0: And we that's interesting like, because, <laughs> you know, I feel like to me, when. Cause yeah, I mean, plug and play, right? They got the infrastructure, got the payroll team, the yeah. HR. You just open up another unit instead of like starting from zero. Exactly. So, I I, I get inspired when when somebody kind of like they kind of are basically saying like it's a bad idea. You have a bad
2: idea. So that were you, does that does that motivate you more? Definitely. Yeah. And it was tricky because he was my mentor, so I didn't want to you know rock the boat. I was terrified to leave, and I was bringing my. Now, partner uh, Chef Joe Giacomino with me. So, and he came out of the group He too. was working in the group, yeah, because I brought yeah. him in there. So, the top guy, and then the top. And then, the and top then we, guy. And we, we had to quit together because yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to lie to my mentor. So, I'm like, I have to, you know, he's going to ask me about you because he knows we're, you know, I brought you in here and we're best friends. So, uh, so we just quit together, and uh, I don't know if that you was know, that, the best. That hurts. <laughs> <laughs> as an employee, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it was just like you know, and we, you know, we they kind of. I think there was a level of understanding or whatever, or an acceptance, especially from Matthias because he was working with chefs that were like leaving to go run their own restaurants.
0: Well, I, all I think the time. too, you gave, you basically gave them the opportunity. It's like, hey, yeah, hey, definitely. Like, we let, had laid let's it do out. this, yeah, or I'm gonna sure. go do
1: it. Right, so. first refusal. So, so yeah. Ghost
0: opens in July of sixteen, yeah. And I mean, pretty much a, I mean, I don't like, I don't know, I don't know, blow your ego up here, but pretty much a success out of the out of out of the gate. It was you, good, yeah, you you know? for sure. I mean, like I feel like you were, you were well received in the city. I think the fact that you're from Michigan is a huge bonus. It's always a little tough. I feel like to be an out of towner trying to open a business here. There's definitely we we love the hometown here. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's why I didn't emphasize my time in chicago because i knew how passionate people were about detroit and i'm like you know we're coming back and like if we're like hey we're these chefs yeah. from chicago but to show you how it's done yeah, detroit yeah. you know and i was like no 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 and i was also very uh, conscientious of, to ensure that nowhere in any press release did it say that i was like from detroit because I knew, like, we get eaten up for that. Because they're gonna see me, and right. they're like, "This guy didn't come from the city. Yeah. He's from the burbs." So I made sure that everything said Metro Detroit. And then we we did like I don't know, we did nine pop ups, I think, and like four or five charitable events in the year while we were building the restaurant, yeah, which is great. Yeah, because I wanted people to know, like, we're a we're part here. of this community. I came from here. We're here. back here to do this thing. Please don't think we're just carpet bag and popping in here gonna take your money because we think we're big time
0: well I, th- I think is so smart too which uh that, that you did is that you opened up a brand Grey Ghost is a brand right some people go to gregos and don't even know who the hell you are and that's good like you know charlie Trotter is the complete opposite people if they go there they expect to see him and if yeah. they don't then they're like this is a you know this is not worth it i mean shut like the idea of naming your restaurant after yourself which plenty of chefs do i think look at gordon ramsey in in uh in london i think is Year twenty one of three Michelin Stars. I mean, but you know he's I mean, the guy's like jumping out of airplanes, you know he's not in that kitchen. Definitely. Not. But I think that like you did a great job of opening up a brand that people can, you know, maybe you're a cocktail fan and you're there for the bar program or you're there for late night burger, whatever, or you're there for a you know, multi course experience with your family anniversary. You created a brand that isn't so reliant on yourself, which is interesting because you spend so much time working for chefs that named their restaurants after themselves. You did the complete opposite. Which is, uh, you know, I think I think it's it's uh, you know similar to your, to your personality. You're a very humble guy. You're you're not uh, you're not really concerned with the spotlight too much. So so Appreciate good that. on you. That was yeah. a good business decision.
2: Yeah. But it, you know, because I was working for all these celebrity chefs and stuff, you know, you, they weren't there. Right. Yeah. Just like you mentioned. So, you know, they were there, but they weren't there. And like you didn't have a rapport, right? I had a rapport with my direct people that I was Mm -hmm. reporting to. Um, And so you, you know, you grow dedicated to them. But then when you look at it, you're like, all right, well, I love these people, but like the company, like, "Eh." you know, so I didn't ever want that to be the case. And it was like also, Restaurants aren't that great of investment, so it's like <laughs> you don't open it because you don't to make money. You know, you open it because you want to be there. I want to serve the people. Yeah. I'm not just looking for the paycheck. Cause I'm still looking. And now, yeah. so
0: now we have three restaurants. We have Second Best, which is you know a bar uh, restaurant slash right, mostly bar probably. I'm, I'm not trying to dig into your sales, but I assume <laughs> no, you, you it was with, it's a bar, yeah, bar with wrong. food, and then Basan, uh, full I mean, scale restaurant, big beautiful restaurant, and then Grey Ghost obviously is your is kind of your flagship. Is there anything else in the pipeline?
2: Uh, well, I don't see any reason to stop now. You know, the tricky part is that I dreamt always of owning my own restaurant, but I never got past that part, you know? <laughs> so, like, now i like, yeah, I always want to, you know, I'm going to open my own restaurant. And I feel like every chef says that, you know, throughout the course of their career. Um, super vindicating when you actually do it. And the number of, like, my former cooks that were like, Hell yeah, you did it! Like you said, you were gonna do it, and you know this was like people that worked for me ten years prior to us opening Gregos because it was like this is going to happen. Yeah, Um, you manifested So yeah, so we put it out there, we got it done. So
0: well, I think you do an incredible job. I'm a big fan. Uh, You know, I'm a little hurt. You called Joe your best friend, but that was uh...
2: oh, you can have multiple (laughs) best friends. 2023, (laughs) you gotta have multiple best friends, yeah.
0: Um, But yeah, no. I mean, thank you for coming on the, the yeah. show with us and uh, for sharing your stories. It, definitely, I'm sure there's a million more. And, oh, we uh, could have three more <laughs> shows about that. But uh, no, great, great job. We're, oh, Detroit is lucky to have you. Three awesome restaurants. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it.
1: We would like to thank you for listening. Essential Cooking is produced by me and Alicia, along with my co-host, Chef James Rigatto. This episode was also produced, engineered, edited, and mastered by Connor Anderson, with production support from David Lyons. Original music by the Mallet Brothers. Essential Cooking is a production of WDET's public radio station.